podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Dean Blandino from Fox Sports, and you are listening to the Quick Snap Podcast. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of the Quick Snap Podcast uh, in association with Fanatics, the place to find all your NFL gear. Get yourself over to thequicksnap.co.uk. We've got a massive range of Fanatics gear on there, so make sure you check it out. Today, we are lucky enough to have Justin on from the Titans Brawl Podcast. Join myself and Tom. How are you doing, Justin? Uh, doing well, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Good, man. Uh, you've been a busy guy. Obviously, been involved in the uh, NFL industry for quite some time now. Do you want to tell everyone what you've been doing? Yeah, so um, kind of got my start with uh, covering the NFL draft for the, the now-defunct draft breakdown. Um, for those draft nicks out there, very, you know, probably very familiar with the draft breakdown, uh, you know, became sort of a topic of discussion for the whole draft Twitter community. Um, about a year into that, I began writing for uh, USA Today's DraftWire, developed nice. a series for them where I interview um, NFL draft prospects. Been doing that for five years now. Um, it's, it's, it's become a pretty popular series for me. Last year, uh, I interviewed 142 players that were in the 2020 draft, uh, about 100 of them that were actually drafted. I did about half of the first round. So uh, certainly my most successful year uh, with the draft there. I also cover the Titans for SB Nation uh, with their team website over at musiccitymiracles.com. And I am one half of the Titans Brawl podcast. Been doing that for a couple of months now on the Brawl Network. Very, very busy guy, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I, I like, hey, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I do it because I love it. You know, lo- love football. Uh, very lucky to be involved. Uh, in what I do, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, we obviously we've started our own website, uh, our Instagram, our Twitter, and our podcast now. And me and Tom think this is already quite busy, aren't we? But I mean, you sound <laughs> like bit, you but nothing be, uh, on you. Yeah. yeah, you sound like you could be snowed under. Um, well, that's amazing. I mean, it, it obviously sounds like you've had a lot of experience um, within the NFL industry, writing about it. Obviously, the love of the NFL is amazing. Um, Obviously, we're on here to talk about the Titans, though, which is your team. Um, last year, they absolutely shocked the NFL, I think, uh, in getting that far. Uh, amazing year, considering we went 9-7 and seven in the regular season, then to get down to the championship game and unfortunately meet the Chiefs, which is, you know, how can you even beat them? But last year was unbelievable, I think, for the Titans. They had A.J. Brown with his rookie, rookie season, over 1,000 uh, receiving yards, and nine touchdowns which is massive I think for a, a rookie season then obviously they've got the absolutely absolute train Derek Henry <laughs> I mean there is no stopping that guy I, it, I said I've said it on the, on the podcast a few times in the receiving game yeah he's not the best running back but try and stop that guy running at you it is impossible um, so I think the Titans again this year could be another strong team yeah, I think they're going to be strong quite again uh, as well. And for anybody, you know, who, who, who you know, box score, uh, box score scouting, I don't recommend it. For anyone looking at the record, 
saying, oh, they were nine and seven last year. They've been actually nine and seven four years in a row. Yeah. But for anyone looking at that record and saying, oh, you know, they got lucky to get as far as they did, or they're a team that's going to regress this year. I mean, the record did not do their play justice, and I'll tell you why. People forget how much that offense changed when Ryan Tannehill took over as quarterback. I mean, yeah. in my years covering the team, I've almost never seen a team look as bad one half of the season and look totally different the second half of the season. It when they good. had Marcus Mar- yeah, I mean, when they had Marcus Mariota under center, uh, and with all due respect to Mariota, the offense was just really bad. You know, for whatever reason, uh, they weren't getting it done. You know, and Mariota was at the center of that. They fell to two and four. Um, they they couldn't. They basically couldn't score a point. I mean, in Mariota's last start, probably one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen was a sixteen nothing loss to the Denver Broncos. Uh, and yeah. they, they, I don't even think they, cra- they crossed uh, midfield that game, truth be told. I mean, it was, just, it was just terrible. And it looked like a bottomless pit. It looked like a lost season. I mean, I was having discussions with coworkers about, could this team get into the mix for the number one overall pick? I mean, that's how bad things looked. And then Ryan yeah, Tannehill was, comes in. Yeah. Sorry? I was the same. I was thinking exactly the same. When Mario was, in, was uh, leading that offense, I was thinking this could be a disaster season. Yeah, it really, it really looked that way. And then, and then Ryan Tannehill comes in, takes over as the starting quarterback. And, and down the stretch, man, they scored over 30 points a game the rest of the regular season. The offense yeah. was just firing on all cylinders. And, and I think, you know, again, I, I, you know, not a lot of Titans fans out there sometimes. I get it. But, you know, you watch the playoffs. And, and again, another misconception. People might think, oh, well, yeah, you know, of course, Derrick Henry carried the load in the playoffs. And Ryan Tannehill didn't have a whole lot to do. Ryan Tannehill was really good during the regular season. It was not like they were handing the ball off 30 times a game. No, Ryan Tannehill was throwing 300 yards and, and four, you know, three, four touchdowns a game. So this is a team that I think is poised to take a step forward in the win column this year. I don't expect another 9-7 and seven year. I expect you know, at least 10-6, and six, potentially a little bit better. But uh, you know, I would agree with you in short that I, I do think this is going to be another very good season for them. Yeah, I think even with Tannehill, then you touched upon where people said that Henry carried the load in the playoffs. Yes, Tannehill didn't throw the ball that much, but there's, there was still the odd throw during the games, which he came up big, making um, important clutch throws. Was, he had a couple in the Patriots game as well. Yeah, um, and yeah. which without without them, they don't win the game. So yes, Henry was doing the bulk of the work on the offense, but Tannehill still stepped up when he had to. Um, I think. The, the Chiefs in the second half, that game just kind of ran away from the whole team, didn't it? Um, you, you saw them come a little bit short then, but I think there's definitely a chance for them to improve further on offense now that he'll have settled in even further. Um, the coordinator you had last year, Arthur Smith, I thought he did a great job as well. So if he's got even more time to prepare now with Tannehill, um, then yeah, to me, they should get even better. You definitely want to see an improvement from 9-7. and seven. Like, like you said, it's been, what, five years in a row now? Nine and seven. I mean, I would kill to get nine and seven every single year um, as a Bucks fan. But um, yeah, you, you definitely want an improvement from that. I've got them ten and yeah. six. I'm winning the division. Yeah, I, I would agree that they're probably the favorite in the division, especially with you know what I consider a bit of a disaster off season for the Houston Texans and you know the in the DeAndre Hopkins trade gotcha. and and I think the Colts will be decent, but I, I don't think the Colts you know, with the Phillip Rivers there, I don't think they'll be quite as good as the Titans. Uh, another reason I really like the Titans this year, and I think a lot of people are underrating this, and I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. Look, this whole COVID-19 situation, you know, t- this, the offseason's been weird already. It's only going to continue to get weirder, right? We're talking about two preseason games or maybe zero preseason games. 
we're talking, there's a very good chance teams are going to be going into the regular season with very little preparation. One of the reasons I think the Titans can benefit from that for, you know, multiple reasons. A, of course, you know, you got the same head coach returning in Mike Vrabel. You got the same offensive coordinator in Art Smith. Uh, you mentioned there, Tom, Art Smith did a terrific job last year, and I would agree. But even more so, the Titans returned 10 of their 11 starters on offense this season. I mean, th- this is a yeah. team that's going to be able, in my opinion, to hit the ground running. And I don't think there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to hit the ground running this season. But with the Titans and all those familiar faces coming back, there's no reason that they shouldn't be one of them. Yeah. This is, this is what I was saying to Tom a while back. I was saying to a few of my friends that when they, obviously, as you say, like box score, people look at the box score all the time. And people, not just that, people look at flashy plays. And I think that's why a lot of the other quarterbacks will be highlighted a lot more because they have flashy plays. But Ryan Tannehill showed that it didn't need some unbelievable quarterback to come in to fix the Titans. It just needed somebody who knew how to play football and manage a system. He, he didn't do anything miraculous. He didn't do anything which was unbelievably like, oh my God, what's he done there? He just played football, reduced the, the er- errors. He, like, he only had six interceptions the whole the whole. Season. He only played 12 games, but still, that's that's great for, for a quarterback. Yeah. And 70% accuracy is a completion percentage. Again, yeah. that you can't ask for more. Didn't he, I think he got like one of the highest ratings as well, didn't he, towards the season? It means that's the ratings, he, yeah. And then on play action I think he had the highest overall he was just incredibly efficient wasn't yeah he, he was and, and it, it just showed that the whole offense just ticked because he was just doing the, the easy simple things right he wasn't whereas Mariota was obviously trying to overcompensate for certain things which ended up being the worst thing he could have done Ryan Tannehill just played football like he didn't do anything miraculous just played a simple game and obviously the system there just works you know People say, oh, you're relying too much on Derrick Henry. That will backfire one day. But if you've got a running back that size, you do give him that workload. Like, that's what he's there for. He is there to carry that workload. And when, when it is tough on a team, give, it, give the ball to Derrick Henry. Yeah, I would agree with you. And, and I think, you know, with Ryan Tannehill, I, I think he sort of straddled the line between some phenomenal play and game manager. I wouldn't say, you know, he was a full-blown game manager because he did make a lot of, you know, a, a lot of great plays and great throws. But I understand where you're coming from. You know, he certainly wasn't Patrick Mahomes or, or anything of sort. But don't underestimate, and, and I like the way you said it there, a quarterback that can come in, get comfortable in the system, and just keep things on time and on schedule. And that's what Ryan Tannehill did. You know, Thomas mentioned the play-action game there. Everything just fits so well. I mean, guys like Corey Davis, AJ, AJ Brown especially, even tight end Jonu Smith, they are such good play-action players. Uh, you know, A, of course, teams got to respect the run. As you said, when you got Derrick Henry, that's already going to be, you know, a huge benefit to their play-action game. But then you got guys like AJ Brown and Jonu Smith who are just, you know, physical freaks and are able to get open at will and then they create a lot after the catch right you see how much yards they they, they're able to gain after initial contact it's it's just you know uh, the offense really just fit Ryan Tannehill like a glove last season yeah honestly I couldn't say couldn't say better yeah I think a few of the players you touched on there um, like AJ Brown like Ariola mentioned what a good rookie season he had you can only imagine he's going to get better Corey Davis seems to fit better, I think, as the number two as opposed to the number one. And then Johnny Smith, I think he's a sleeper for kind of like a, a top five tight end this year in the in the whole league. Um, so I think you've definitely got an offense ready to go. And even of the player that's not coming back from the starters last year, um, Jack Conklin, um, you drafted 
a potential replacement in the first round. So yeah. um, if he can fit in quite well, obviously COVID will kind of reduce the amount of training camp um, time that they get. Um, things relatively should be able to pick up fairly fairly easily, I would say. Yeah, and keep in mind, I just want to touch on that quickly. One thing that, could, again, could help is, you know, say that first-round pick being Isaiah Wilson um, has, a, has a difficult time replacing uh, Jack Conklin due to a shortened training camp or, or a shortened preseason or whatever. Uh, he's going to be battling for that starting job with Dennis Kelly, right tackle, who's actually been a member of the Titans for about six seasons already and has started multiple games, both at left tackle and right tackle. So there's a good chance that, you know, if Dennis Kelly wins that job at right tackle, again, which he may, um, since Wilson may face a transition, then you've pretty much got, you know, all, all 11 of your starters were on the team last season and have played in this system. I think, let's not forget as well, obviously, but before when I was saying about, you know, it was amazing to see how far they actually got in the season. Um, when, you, when you look at the, the fact that they didn't just play average sides when they, when they got to the playoffs, Walk past the Patriots, got past the Ravens, and then they meet the Chiefs. I mean, they are probably three of the hardest teams they could have faced in that run. And the, against the Chiefs up until the back end of the third quarter, they were winning. So it, it yeah. just it is a testament to the fact that um, the team is just ticking. And I know we were, we've been talking most about the offense right now, which is obviously what a lot of the star plays happen, or a lot of the highlight reel plays are on the offense. But if you look back when they played the Patriots, and they were on the, uh, the one-yard line, and the Titans' defense stopped them and, and limited them to a field goal. That, essentially, was a huge play, because if that goes in, that's a much closer game, and Brady only needs to get a field goal then to, win, to tie the game. You know what I mean? It, it, it changes the whole aspect of it. So you've got to appreciate, too, that the defense has also done a lot to keep them in games. Yeah, they've had a solid defense over the last couple of years. To me, that's the one area this coming year that's going to be interesting to monitor. Uh, I'm not sure that it'll quite hit the ground running um, as much as the offense will. But truthfully, I mean, it's an offensive league nowadays. And the Titans can score points in bunches. So I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that this defense is going to be bad. But um, I can see a scenario where it's maybe not quite as good as last year. You know, they lost their defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, to retirement. Um, they lost defensive back coach Kerry Combs, who decided to go back to uh, the University of Ohio State, um, and, and a couple other changes as well. You know, they, they fired their inside linebacker coach uh, as well. And then, you know, trading Jarrell Casey, who was one of the centerpieces of that defense, uh, to the Denver Broncos. You certainly see a lot more change on the defensive side of the ball uh, this year than you do with the offense. But again, with that said, let, let, let's be honest, offense is king nowadays, and, and I think the Titans are going to be able to score a lot of points this season. Yeah, I think on that defense, you have got an emerging star, though. Um, your first round pick from last year, Simmons. I think he was injured, wasn't he, for quite a chunk of the season last year. And there was a shift, I think, as the offense improved, that the defense did improve as well. And I think when Simmons came back from injury, he was kind of a catalyst in that. Because um, he's, yeah. so, he's so good in the, in, in the middle of that line. And you can see in the Patriots game how destructive that he, that he could be. So I think if you've got a full season from him healthy, um, things could get even better. And I think one person or free agent out there, which I think has been linked to the Titans and a few other teams, um, would be Clowney as well. I don't know whether you personally think that he would be a, a good fit in there, even if it's just for one season. Um, but I think he's someone out there that they could potentially go after to give them some some depth along that D-line. 
Yeah, touching on, touching on two points there. You know, Simmons, I'm glad you brought his name up. He's actually one of the main reasons, if not maybe the main reason, that they felt so comfortable trading Jarrell Casey away yeah. um, for, for almost nothing in return because, you know, Simmons was the 20th pick in the draft last season. You know, he was supposed to miss his entire rookie season. He tore his ACL, uh, I believe it was back in February, when training for the NFL Combine. So everyone thought he was going to be out for the entire year. You know, Titans, you know, that was a top 10 talent in the draft. Titans end up getting him at 20th due to the injury. Uh, they're willing to roll the dice on him. And he only misses six games. I mean, it was unbelievable the way he returned from that ACL injury. And, and, and this, you know, Jarrell Casey played that three-tech role. The three-tech role on that D-line is famous for being sort of, you know, the, the most uh, disruptive role, right? It gives you the most opportunity to get into the backfield because it gives you a two-way go. So, and and I, for a, I know for a fact, but the Titans really, they wanted to move Simmons to that three-tech role this season. And that played a big role in them getting, uh, you know, trading Jarrell Casey for, for cents on the dollar. So it's going to be very interesting to watch a step forward that Simmons uh, takes this year. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is crazy, the fact that it didn't take much, that's what I find, it didn't take much at all to show how good the Titans can be. And it does seem to be that it could be an, another exciting season next year. However, on the back of that, do, does it worry you that, let's say, if you are behind, it is a, I, th- I think it's a bit harder for the Titans to keep up when they're behind. If they set out strong and take the lead early, the Titans have got everything in their team to hold that lead. The strong defence, the running game, which is unstoppable. But I, I'm, do you have, I don't think we've seen fully yet Ryan Tannehill's ability to fully chase a game and then, and then win. They beat the Chiefs in a shootout last year. It was the regular season, but in the regular season, they did beat the Chiefs. Tannehill was throwing the ball all over the place. It was the Chiefs that couldn't keep up with them. Yeah, and interesting enough, and I think I want to say they were down 10 nothing in that game with the Chiefs um, in the regular season. But, but I do understand where Ari's coming from. You know, they didn't, they didn't play a whole lot of games from behind, yeah. and I think there's certainly a team that um, is, is, you know, better suited to play with a lead. I mean, you know, which team isn't, though, truthfully, yeah, right? But, but, I, but I get what you're saying, of course. You know, with that run game and stuff, they're able to milk the clock when they have a lead. And, and they get a little more, of course, you know, predictable when playing from behind, right? You, you can't feed Derrick Henry quite as much uh, when yeah. you're playing from behind. So I wouldn't say that it necessarily worries me, per se. I think they're, you know, the way they're able to score points, I think they're capable of playing from behind. Uh, and like I said, we've seen some instances of it. The Kansas City uh, regular season game was a great example. But I, I will, you know, agree that they're certainly better suited to play with the lead. Yeah. As, as you say, it's not a bad thing. You know, most teams would be happy to take the, the title of being good from in front because either way, you're going to win the game. Uh, just think sometimes, obviously, there's the theory there that Derek Henry can't catch. You know, everyone has that theory. Is it a myth? Yeah, because when you've seen him, receive that ball. He hasn't done anything wrong. My, my point has always been he hasn't really been used in that game. And obviously that's due to maybe coaches knowing that it isn't his strong point. But do you, when I've ever seen him being passed the ball, you don't really see him like fumble it or drop it or he, he, just, he just goes. And is it somewhere where they could start using him more? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think what you've seen, how they use him in that game is probably how they'll continue to use him. I don't think you're going to see a huge uptick um, in that area of his game. I mean, they, they have used them, you know, a little bit in the screen game. And he's made some big things happen um, in the screen game. 
Uh, but yeah, for whatever reason, I don't think they love using him there. I I don't think that he's sort you know, I agree. I don't think that he's not capable of it. I think it's more that for whatever reason, they haven't really used him. It's probably, you know, it's obviously not his strongest quality. Um, but I do think he's capable of being a decent player in that game. And one of the reasons I don't think you'll see an uptick there is they drafted uh, Darrington Evans with their third round pick, uh, a running yeah. back who's totally different to Derrick Henry, right? Is really going to be uh, sort of his, his lightning to Derrick's thunder. And yeah. uh, I think you'll see Evans uh, play a bigger role in that game. Yeah. So obviously some of the big conversation points in the off season for the Titans, obviously after achieving what they did in that last season and really showing what they can do with that team. They then had the biggest dilemma going with Tannehill needed a contract and so did Derrick Henry. Um, and it was tag one and give one a contract. That's, that was the option. And I was saying to Tom all the time, there is absolutely no way that you would ever give Derrick Henry that contract. You would always tag Henry and give Tannehill a contract. And I think my, a lot of people on, on social media, on the internet, were, like, were quite confused with you saying, no, because Henry's your best player. And I understand that. I really do. But Tannehill's money, can, like, can, on the basis towards other quarterbacks, compared to what Henry wants towards other running backs, is a lot less. Also, quarterback, you secure him for the next four years. That running back, you could, you could get another tagged year out of him this year. And then give him a much smaller contract when those running back contracts aren't as high. Because as we've seen, apart from obviously uh, Christian McCaffrey, the rest of the guys like Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon have come back down to earth a little bit. So it may be a year of Derrick Henry tagged, does well still, and then give him an, an, an average contract where he's not talking the high numbers that he was before. Yeah, I think, um, you, know, you know, you're always going to pay the quarterback before you're going to pay the running back. Uh, I think it's a pretty standard, um, you know, practice that most teams have taken. And with the Ryan Tannehill contract, I get it. The numbers looked really big. But you'd be surprised already if you go back and analyze that contract now. Uh, I think it's barely in the top 10 already for, for average contracts to record. It might not even be in the top nine. 10. It's somewhere between, yeah, 9 to 12, I want to say. And, and you'll see. Nine, but that is because Derek, uh, Dak Prescott's tagged 31 million years in there too. So in re- reality, right. it's probably number 10. Yeah, and, and just wait, you know, give it a few months, right? You're going to see a couple yeah. other quarterbacks get new contracts, and Tannehill's going to be down at the 12-13 mark before yeah. you know it. So I thought it was a pretty, te- you know, a friendly contract for both sides. You know, Ryan Tannehill gets his money, of course, but I don't think by any means it was a bad deal um, for the Titans. Of course, performance will ultimately dictate that, but on the surface, it doesn't appear to be a bad deal to me. Uh, with Derrick Henry, um, look, I get it. You know, a lot of people say, you know, move on from your running backs, draft replacements, keep it cheap. And I understand that. And in certain senses, I support it. When it comes to Derrick Henry, though, I think, you know, you got to analyze every situation individually and what he's been able to do for that team. And he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. Like, you know, when he came in as a rookie, you know, he didn't touch the ball a whole lot. They had DeMarco Murray there. And even in year two, he didn't touch the ball a whole lot. They still had DeMarco Murray there in the mix. So it's not like they've pounded him into the ground, you know, 350 carries, uh, you know, four seasons in a row. So, uh, I, I think I actually, you know, and, and I may look like a fool, but uh, the deadline for, for Derrick Henry's contracts in about a week and a half, uh, if they're able to do an extension. And I actually think they're going to get something done. I really do. I, I do not think he's going to play this year on the tag, not because you will hold out. I don't think he's the kind of person that would hold out. To be honest, I don't think he has a whole lot of leverage um, to be able to do something like that. 
But I actually think they're going to get something done. And I think it's going to be friendly for both sides. I would look for something in the, you know, the three years, you know, $39 million range. That's something that I could see getting done uh, within the next couple of days. That'd be a good contract. Yeah, I think that'd be fair for both parties. And, and look, Derrick Henry's, you know, of course he's got his, you know, um, you know, deals on the side in terms of sponsorships and whatnot, but he's only earned about, you know, five or $6 million in the NFL due to being a second round pick. So a, that's one of the reasons I, I don't think he's going to hold out. You know, uh, when they tagged him, a lot of people were acting like, as you mentioned, the reaction on social media, you know, pe- people were acting like they were going to pay him $5 this season. You know, like, like the tag is still $10 million, right? It's not like he's not going to get paid this season, right? He's going to get paid this season. But I do ultimately think that they're going to try to get something done within these yeah. next couple of days. Here. Yeah, I think the tag has got quite a negative connotation to it I think I don't really necessarily see why because like you've said for a lot of players that normally end up getting the tag it's going to pretty much double the earning that they've had in like the entire first part of their career so I think the tag is something that mostly the teams use it to their advantage but I think more and more players should start using it as well obviously we saw Kirk Cousins use it to his advantage and how look how well that worked for him um so yeah I think the same could be done for Henry here like I think players should be using it more yeah, yeah I, I'm split on that, you know, truthfully, because I, I, I totally agree with the, you know, the Kirk Cousins example is a terrific example. At the end of the day, I'm not sure that the tag is ever going to, you know, have a great outlook from the player's perspective, because look, it's a physical sport and injury, you know, anything can happen at any given moment and everyone's looking for long-term financial security. But you're absolutely right. You know, if you have, you know, you saw how Kirk Cousins used it to his advantage and it worked out great. But again, you know, NFL careers are short. And guys want security. So I understand sort of where, you know, the negative connotation comes from. But when it comes to social media, as I said, again, people acting like they, you know, they gave Ryan Tannehill uh, $200 million and Derrick Henry's got seven bucks, you know, to his name. It's a little ridiculous because, you know, the tag is going to pay Derrick Henry $10 million this year. I think, um, what what are you thinking about all these running backs then? Because obviously we had Melvin Gordon's holdouts that absolutely backfired. Uh, Now you've got, Dalvin Cook saying that he's going to hold out if he doesn't get a better contract when from what I'm hearing he's not being offered a bad contract in any way shape or form and obviously he's got uh, Matson behind him who is by the, by the looks of it is more than capable to take that role and obviously yeah I don't think I would think you're right I think I think Derek Henry is not the kind of player to go and hold out um, but these players just holding out it does seem to confuse me, like Le'Veon Bell proved it didn't really work. He ended up taking less money on, on the total contract. And is it Chris Jones uh, for the Chiefs? I'm sure I saw somebody put out um, a few weeks ago that he's threatening to hold out. He doesn't get a better contract, but in reality, he's at about three million so far in his career. He's not really a position to start saying he wants to hold out. You know, okay, if you're a player who's um, thirty million, you can say I can afford to hold out. But Chris Jones is going to be a year older. And he's going to hold out after any earning like two million, three million in his career. I don't think it's very. Uh, yeah, I I think the thing is, you know, I think Chris Jones, to be honest, has a little bit more leverage just because the position is so much more valuable than it is the running back position. Like it'd be very easy, you know, for the Minnesota Vikings to say, "Hey, we got Alexander Madison behind Dalvin Cook. We'll we'll you know we'll make it work in the running game." Yeah, uh, you know, for you know, running backs are just seen as very replaceable. Right, whereas Chris Jones, I think, has a little more leverage because I don't see how in the world the Kansas City Chiefs would replace Chris Jones on that defensive line. And I think he deserves to get paid. And ultimately, I think he's going to win that battle, truthfully. I think if he holds out, 
you know, they either trade them or they pay them. You know, they figure they find a way. I don't know how they can pay them because they're pretty up against the cap and Patrick Mahomes is going to need a new deal uh, ASAP. But I, I can see that holdout truthfully working in Jones's favor. But I agree, I cannot see a Dalvin Cook holdout working in his favor. Again, you know, he, he hasn't made a whole lot of money in his NFL career. And I, I feel for these guys because, you know, truthfully, it just it kind of is what it is. The running back position is seen as replaceable, and it yeah. it, it didn't work out for Melvin Gordon. It didn't work out for Le'Veon Bell. So I I don't see how uh, you know a holdout would work in Dalvin Cook's favor, or or really you know most running backs nowadays, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean it's crazy when you think back even like ten fifteen years, the running backs were were the, were the stars, weren't they? Obviously, the league has shifted a lot recently, but when you go back to the start of the two thousands, running backs. They were the like, kind of like the quite often the faces of the franchise. They were the star players, um, and yeah, it has been obviously a bad shift for running backs. Like I think I wonder how many kids now in high school would rather be a running back or like a wide receiver or something like that. Because I feel like as a wide receiver, you are going to get paid. Yeah. Whereas it's less, it's, less, far less likely as a running back. It's true. You think back to the early two thousands, and you you couldn't imagine the Seattle Seahawks without Sean Alexander. Right? Or you yeah. couldn't imagine the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs without Priest Holmes and, and, and things of that nature. So, and it's true. And I think you are going to see uh, – it'll have that trickle-down effect, right? Just like you said, in high school, I, I do think you'll see more business decisions being made, right? Why play the running back position if they're going to – you know, I'm going to get drafted in the second round no matter how good I am, earn $2 million over four years, you know, yeah. work my butt off, they're going to run me into the ground, and then they're not going to give me a second contract. So it's very unfortunate, but it does seem to be the way the game has trended for a few years now. Yeah. yeah, I think I think obviously uh, Darwin Cook's following a pretty unsuccessful to uh, chain of holdouts. I think that it doesn't really make sense in my eyes. I think he'd be, yeah, I do agree. Especially yeah, with his injury money. history as well. Yeah, I think he just should be just taking the contract he's being offered. If I'm honest, yeah. Um, even like with Henry, Henry doesn't miss a game, does he? Doesn't no, and doesn't really he miss is a snap. the ground. He is mm-hmm. he is literally running the ground, Derek Henry. Well, he was last year anyway. Um, yeah. Which is which is fine. That's what that's what the players there to be used for. But you, you can see you could hold more of a uh, an argument of why Derek Henry would hold out rather than Dalvin Cook, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I mean that is an interesting one, isn't it? Because obviously the, the the argument is always there of whether they should hold out or shouldn't hold out. Obviously, you want to see these star players get paid, but in reality, when they they've got zero leverage, it probably isn't the smartest thing to do. Um. Okay, so we will move on to how we think the Titans will do next year. Now, I know we said we'll, we'll, earlier we think we'll do well at 10-6 and six division. How far do you see the Titans getting next year or this year, this season? Yeah, I mean, it really just depends on, on how things bounce their way, right? I mean, the NFL is such a strange year. Uh, you, know, who, you know, they could be, uh, you know, beneficiary, the beneficiaries to some injuries around the league, or it could bite them in the butt. You know, if, if Derrick Henry goes down, if Ryan Tannehill goes down, uh, that's going to be a very difficult situation for them. What I will say is, ultimately, it's tough to make that prediction. But what, what I will say is that, you know, of course, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are, are the favorites in the AFC, um, once again. Despite the Titans beating the Ravens, you know, beating them real bad in the playoffs, I I would understand saying that the Baltimore Ravens are are probably, you know, the best competition to the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Um, I would comfortably and confidently say that the Titans have a very good chance of being at least the third best team there in the AFC. And and I think they, you know, they beat both those teams last season, right? They beat the Chiefs in the regular season. They beat the Ravens in the playoffs at home and they beat them bad. So uh, while I understand having those two teams as the favorite, 
I would say the Titans are, or if there's one team in the AFC that's right on their tail, it's the Tennessee Titans. I agree. I, I, I think you guys will be going to the um, divisional round. I think how if you can get further than that, I think it will depend on who you face in that divisional round game. But um, I would be really surprised if you didn't make the playoffs. Um, especially, like you said, everyone with that division. The Texans has been a bit of a hot mess this summer. The Jaguars has been a hot mess for like 18 months now. Um, <laughs> and I, I love... Um, Phil Rivers, I, I absolutely love him. He's like my, probably my second favorite player in the league, but I just don't think he can throw the ball anymore. So even if he gets to play in a nice cushy dome now, um, I think when he has to go outside and play down in Nashville, yeah, I think he might struggle a little bit then. Yeah, I, I, I still think the Titans absolutely walk the division. Um, if at that, if the, the, the players stay fit, if we have no issues with injuries, etc., I just think that the Titans are going to be hard to beat. A system is solid in all aspects. There's no real weak link. I know in some teams you have like a weak link in the team. Okay, the the line isn't very strong, or the receiving uh, receivers aren't very strong. Everywhere is strong. Uh, like the tight end receivers, running back, quarterbacks even doing well. Defense is all strong, and the head coach is great. So I think very solid team. Uh, and I, it, again, I do agree with you. Whoever they they meet in that divisional round. Will determine whether they go on, but as you said last year, when they when they faced the Ravens, I would definitely have put the Ravens as favourites there, and I, I yeah. probably would have. No thought, one had them winning. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I would have thought the Ravens would have just narrowly beat the Titans, but again, the Titans proved everyone wrong. Went to the championship game and were leading that game for ages. So you know, yeah. it, it's it's never a foregone conclusion, but I would I would expect to see them definitely around that around that place again. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I really would agree. And that Ravens game is, is a fantastic game to go back and study because, you know, yeah. so many people will write it off and say, you know, oh, the Ravens underestimated the Titans or the Titans were on a roll or, or yada, yada. But if you watch the tape of that game, it is unbelievable how well-prepared that Titans yeah. defense was for Lamar yeah. Jackson mm -hmm. and that Ravens offense. I mean, I got a chance to speak with a couple of uh, players on the defense recently. Um, I recently spoke with linebacker David Long. Um, who was a rookie last year and actually played a really big role in that game. And he was talking to me about the team's film study and, and some of the stuff they picked up um, on Lamar Jackson. And they were just, you know, I, I could, you know, again, without, without being overly cocky or confident, I can tell that David Long was just saying to me that they were so well prepared and they just, they knew what was coming before it happened. I mean, I believe it was that game. The Ravens had converted every single fourth and short during the regular any fourth and one every fourth and inches they had converted during they were something like 13 for 13 during the regular season and they went for it a lot and why wouldn't you when you have an athlete as dynamic as Lamar Jackson they went 0 for 4 in that game against the Titans it's like the Titans yeah. every you know fourth and inches imagine having an athlete as dynamic as Lamar Jackson and the Titans you know four times in a row they had no issue stopping it so they were just so well prepared for that game I remember saying at the time when it when I, when it was uh, when they were playing, uh, it's obviously late at night when they play in the UK. But I was texting my friends saying, "This is all it really will take for teams to learn how to play against Lamar Jackson. To watch this game back, watch what you couldn't yeah. what what you couldn't combat. You know, it obviously when when a player sets fires the league, it was Patrick Mahomes the year before, and it was Lamar Jackson last year." Defenses have to then go and play against that aspect of their game. You know, Patrick Mahomes is unfortunate to have Tyree kill with him for however many games he had them as well. But 
teams are going to get smart to what Lamar Jackson does. And it, they may not be able to stop him all the time because the talent won't be there, but they'll have to get smart to what he does. Otherwise, he will literally run all over them. So it, it won't just be... I, I can't see it being like a, a three or four season spell of Lamar Jackson just running all over the league. I think at some point, people are going to have to get smart to what he does. Maybe even just watch that Titans game a hundred times and watch what they did to him. But it worked. It, they just... They just stopped him. They stopped him doing everything he was doing. And it was just, it was good to see. Because, I mean, although I love watching him play, he's an electric player. It is also good to realise that he isn't just going to breeze the league. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the NFL is a smart league. And if there's one thing about it, too, it's a copycat league. So, you know, you bet your butt that every, every team that plays Lamar Jackson this season is going to be watching that tape and trying to figure out how the Titans did it. With that yeah. said, you know, with all due respect to him, he's a dynamic athlete and he's going to have another terrific season and he's not easy to stop by any stretch of the imagination. But I certainly expect defenses to watch that tape uh, and try to prepare for him in the way that the Titans did. I think as he adapts his passing game, I think it's going to make his running game much more lethal because... Once they have to prepare for him passing the ball too, it makes the run game much more elusive, um, which is exactly what you need. You don't want to be one-dimensional. You want, you want to be able to offer all sorts of weapons and then teams don't have no idea what you're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. And they've done a good job surrounding him with talented pass catchers there. You know, I think Hollywood Brown, for example, um, is such an ideal player for that offense because, of course, Lamar's got a rocket of an arm. And uh, with, you know, with, with Brown being such a great deep ball player, um, I think that's a match made in heaven. And it's that, you know, he was a rookie last year, Brown, that is. And I think that uh, relationship is only going to get better. Great stuff. But before we, uh, before we close it off, I want one last question for you. So where, where do you rank Derrick Henry? In your top running backs in the league, where do you rank him? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say number one. And I know that may be uh, an, an unpopular pick. And for some reason, I still see a lot of people not putting him in their top five. I mean, he, and I don't really get it. You know, he led the league in rushing last season. Uh, you know, touchdowns are consistently in the double digits. He's a beast at the goal line. Um, he, he's really, a, you know, a beast all over the field. I know, and I understand you can make the argument, what, you know, what Christian McCaffrey does is special. Um, he's, he's such a special talent, such a unique talent, and he gives your offense so much. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, of course, is a terrific running back in his own right and can do so many special things for you. But with the way that Derek, you know, was, was, is currently, you know, uh, has been performing as of late and, and just what he was able to do in the playoffs, especially what he did to that. I mean, both defenses, the New England defense and the Baltimore defense. Um, I, I don't really understand how you wouldn't at least have him in your top three. Yeah. It's hard, it is hard to argue. It is, it, I think it's between Barkley, McCaffrey, Elliott and Henry. It, that, that's the top four for me. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get any pushback from me. Uh, four terrific talents there. And I'd love to see Barkley get a better chance this year uh, behind that Giants O-line. Unfortunately, they haven't been able to open up many holes for him. And that offense has been incredibly one-dimensional um, throughout his short career. So I'm hoping to see the Giants, uh, you know, ho hope to see Daniel Jones take a step forward as quarterback. And even more so, hope to see that O-line, because that's really been the problem, in my opinion, see that O-line. Uh, you know, function as, as an NFL O-line for a change and, and yeah. give Saquon a, a better chance of doing something special with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Sorry, I've got one last question as well. Sorry, to, I know we're taking up a bit of your time here. Um, <laughs> it's about Mike Vrabel, because I think he's, obviously he's only been there for two years, but I think he's one of the best co head coaches in the league. 
what sort of difference do you think he's made to the Titans? Because obviously he had Mike Malarkey for a couple of years before then, and he still he went nine and seven in both them years, so he's still a winning record. So when you think about, for example, the change he made at quarterback this year, say if you did have Mike Malarkey, and do you think he would have been? Do you think he would have made the decision to change the quarterback, or do you think he would have um, let the season play out? Yeah, I think um, I do think Malarkey would have changed the quarterback. Truth be told. Um, I think Marcus Mariota was always going to be on a pretty short leash um, when, when, as soon as the Ryan Tannehill trade was made. But, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I, I think Titans fans, and I, I, I say this all the time with friends of mine, and I've said it on other podcasts, I don't think, well, I don't think Mike Malarkey gets quite enough credit um, for what he did with the Titans. You know, he took over as head coach during a, a very dark period, and I think he did a lot of very good things, um, you know, in, instilling a, a culture in that locker room but helping them believe that they could win and bring in some leadership to the program. But I do think Mike Vrabel has elevated them to another level, uh, mainly because uh, Malarkey was a little stuck in his ways. Um, truth be told, you know, he didn't want you know, the main reason that Malarkey was let go is he refused to fire his offensive coordinator, who was Terry Rabisky, who was not, you know, was not doing a great job at the time. And it was a very, you know, ancient sort of stubborn, uh, type of offense. So where I think Mike Rabel's made the biggest difference is he comes in as a, a, you know, a much younger guy. He can relate to the players, played a long time in the league. The players absolutely love him. And he's a yeah. forward thinker, right? It, it feels like they really went from, you know, a head coach who was very stuck in his ways. You know, guys been coaching since the you know, 70s or 80s malarkey. And I get it. You know, you sort of get stuck in your ways. But Rabel came in with that fresh mind. And you saw him take a lot of gambles this year. You know, he rolls the dice on fourth down. Um, and is really just a forward thinker. So I do think that Mike Vrabel has made a huge difference to this franchise, and I think he's one of the better young coaches in the NFL. Definitely. I think his game management is certainly up there as well. When you consider he has only been a head coach for two years, I think how he handles the games and the situations are incredible. Like Even when, when you think about that playoff game against the Patriots, when he um, everyone said that he out Belichick, Belichick, <laughs> using those, um, when um, let, letting the clock run down on those penalty plays. Yeah, which is, yeah what, for sure. which is what Belichick did to the Jets and I kind of I do feel like not many coaches kind of would have it in their mind at the time um, to think of that so yeah I think with Vrabel you guys are set up for a, a, a good amount of time here I think obviously the quarterback and the head coach are always going to be tied together aren't they um, yeah I would say so if Tannehill comes off well and Vrabel comes off well I think you guys are going to be top like AFC South for um, a good few years yeah, I certainly think the Titans feel like, um, you know, after a few years of what seemed like they changed coaches every couple of years, you know, going from mm. Mike Munchak to Ken Wisenhunt to Mike Malarkey, it felt like they were on a bit of a coaching carousel ever since uh, Jeff Fisher left town. But I do think they have found their guy in Mike Vrabel, um, and I expect him to be the head coach of this team um, for a very long time, truth be told. Yeah. What a note to finish on. Uh, Justin, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on, and it is, again, another great episode of listening to somebody who knows a lot about what they're talking about educators and it is it is great yeah. obviously i'm doing this podcast with tom and tom's got an unbelievable amount of knowledge i'm a i'm a, I'm a fan but i love it i love the nfl but i wouldn't say anywhere near the level of you are and it's been an absolute pleasure to sit and listen to the knowledge that you've been uh educators with um hopefully you enjoyed it too mate um, and hopefully you can have you back on at some point in the season to talk about how the titans are doing during the during the season yeah, I sure uh, enjoyed myself. I appreciate you both. Look, I think this was my international debut. I think this is the first podcast that I've done. 
uh, across international waters. So I appreciate you guys for bringing me on. Um, you know, definitely had a great time. And uh, I thought we were going to talk some English footy. I didn't know it was going to be all NFL. You know, you guys being in the UK, I thought it was going to be a bit of a footy show. But, you know, I had a great time. And whether it's football or footy, uh, I'm always here uh, for a chat. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Obviously, do you want to tell the guys where they can find you on social media and et cetera? Absolutely. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. I'll be uh, consistently, uh, you know, tweeting out my work. I've got a lot of exciting things on the docket um, coming out within the next few weeks. I can't reveal all of that yet, but uh, some very exciting featured articles are in the works right now. Uh, again, that's Justin M underscore NFL. And uh, I'm, I always look forward to interacting with, uh, you know, with anyone who's looking to interact with me and, and reads my stuff. Uh, I appreciate everybody. So uh, again, thanks for having me on guys. Fantastic, mate. And obviously, you can find ourselves at the Quick Snap UK on both Twitter and Instagram, and obviously the QuickSnap.co.uk. We've got our website there as well. Uh, well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Justin, as we say, and hopefully we'll catch you soon. Until next time, mate. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Absolutely, absolutely. Pleasure's mine. Take care, guys. Podcast Network.